Romans 15. Well, it's good to see all of you here. I didn't hear of any reports of anybody uh, blowing up their house or setting a neighborhood on fire, right? So we're all pretty good. I was uh, taking a walk with Karina last night. We were doing a few laps in the neighborhood. I noticed the guy at the end of the street, and I've never seen this before, and he is stretching out his garden hose as far as it goes. Went out to the middle, the corner of the street, right there. He had a fire extinguisher, and he had a whole bunch of fireworks. I discovered that I didn't have to go too far to find first-class fireworks display. He just spent like half his discretionary income right there, you know. Took it all in. In fact, there were people that were driving to find out what's going on. So they all showed up here. So we just watched fireworks at the end of my street. It was wonderful, and my house didn't catch on fire, and it looks like you're okay, too. Really glad to see you. If you were looking for peace last night, thought you might get a nice rest, you were in for a surprise, right? Because other people had other plans. You know, when we talk about peace, it's really one of the most attractive ideas in our world, to have peace. And yes, when the quest for peace in human history has proven to be very elusive, we can talk about peace, but experiencing it is something else. For instance, our world... We want what? We'd really like peace. We don't want to have war. We don't want countries that are going rogue and taking other over countries and having nuclear capabilities. You can just blow people off the face of the earth. We don't want that. And as not Americans, there's people all around the world that really like peace in our country. We'd like peace. And it looks like we're we're kind of have more divisiveness and divisions than we've ever had, and yet we'd really like peace in our country, in our community, in our city. We don't want people shooting each other up on a Sunday afternoon. We want peace, don't we? If you look at our families, we don't want to be fighting each other and bickering and being petty. We'd like peace in our families, and when we get introspective and kind of look what's going on inside, frankly, we'd like peace in our own soul. And Yet, the problem is, is that we oftentimes don't have peace. When I say the word anxiety or stress, I'm not the only one here that's got a lot of it, right? We all do. There's a lot of things we're concerned about. I mean, how to, anything from how to pay our bills. We've got obligations we've made. There are career and life decisions. We've got our families. We're wondering if our children are going to be safe. Are they going to turn out? What's going to happen? What's going to happen with mom and dad? How to deal with these issues. we got health issues. We're worried about the weather. How is that going to affect the crops? We are watching the moral derailment in our country, and it's got a lot of folks going, what in the world is going on in this country in which I live in? How is it possible that we're living like this now? And then, of course, we look at our own spiritual lives, and some of us might feel far from God. Others are cool and distant. Some of you are really wrestling, could God ever forgive me for something that you have said or done? And really, when you look at the causes of anxiety, really three major areas. First of all, there is a fear of the future, of what is really going to happen. What will it look like should the Lord not return for my kids or their kids? What is this going to look like? And then there's like conflict in the present. Whether that be you got financial problems, relational woes, you're overworked, there's, there's conflict that you're experiencing in the present. And a third major reason for anxiety is just regret over the past. There are some people, they have said and done things, and they really wrestle with the, with the possibility, could God really forgive them? And they tear themselves up over it. They don't have peace 
They got anxiety. They got worry. They are turning. And of course, all of this has real consequences in our lives. Physically, I mean, you got tension going through your body, coursing through your veins. Probably a lot of reasons why you can't sleep at night. You've got not only physical issues, but emotionally, it just wears you out. You've got, even at a soul level, you don't have that sense of peace. I mean, it's like in disequilibrium. And the problem is, is that we're really good at worrying. That's why Romans 15, the very last verse, is so critically important. Paul is praying for a different reality, and we could just quickly just blow past it. It's just a few words. And just kind of keep moving on. But if you and I do not come to terms with what Paul is praying, then our life is likely to reflect a lack of peace. Look at it. Verse 33 says, Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. He's praying that we would know the peace of God and that is found in the God of peace. Really interesting. Who's, who's leading this prayer? Who's writing it down? Paul, when you look at Paul's life, from an external perspective, not a lot to be peaceful about. I mean, you look at his life before Christ, I mean, the guy is a hater of Jesus, hater of Christians. He is disrupting families. He's leading persecution. He's, he's actually seeing people put to death because they believe in Jesus. In fact, he's holding coats on the very first, on the very first time someone dies for their faith. Paul is the guy holding coats that day. He'd already led the charge. He's just taking it in. His life before Christ was certainly not characterized by peace. He's always trying to earn God's favor and to keep it. He thought fighting and hating Christians would be a good way of doing that. But then even if you look at after he's placed his faith in Christ, I mean, now he's hated by the very same Jews that he once was leading the persecution with. Now he is being run out of cities. He is being beat. He is maligned. They throw rocks at him. A couple times they thought he'd killed him. He faces all sorts of, from an external perspective, situations that are going like, man, no peace there. And yet Paul knew something that all of us need to know. That peace, peace in life, is not linked to your circumstances. It's linked to Christ. To truly know him. It is crystal clear, the New Testament states in a lot of different ways... The only way that you and I could really ever have peace is to really know Christ. Remember Jesus, before he ascends, right after the resurrection, he says this in Matthew 28, verse 20, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm never going to leave you. You believe in me. I am literally going to be united with you in such a way that I will never leave you throughout eternity. Or in Hebrews 13:5, he says, I will never leave you, I'll never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. I am with you always. I will give you my peace because I have it and I'll give it to you. Like Colossians 3:15 uh, talks about this kind of peace. He says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. But what is this peace? Okay? A lot of times people think that peace is just the absence of war. So when people talk about peace in our world, they want a, a, a world situation where we're not at war or just about at war. And there's actually, if you look at human history, there's actually very few years where there haven't been battles or wars being raged in our world. But peace is far more than just the absence of war. It is the presence 
and the deep sense of well-being in your soul. It's a peace that comes from God, having been declared right by God, and it's a peace that he's experienced in our life. And he says, like in Colossians 3.15, I want this peace to rule in your life. But the problem is, is that we find, we want to find our peace in our circumstances. So if we have enough money, we got enough in our 401k, we can handle any financial problem that comes our way, we think we have peace. But it never is so, is it? Or we think we can find peace if we have enough pleasure, or we can control situations. But peace isn't ever found in those situations. That's why you've got people with a lot of money or a lot of power, but the one thing they never have is peace. Why? Because it's not found in the things of this world. How can you and I really know the peace of God? If we can't answer that question clearly, definitively, our life is going to reflect a lack of peace. In fact, we're going to seem rather shallow. That is why Paul is praying, now may the God of peace be with you all. What would that look like? How do you and I know that kind of peace? Today, I just want to make sure that we've all got it. That this prayer becomes our reality. The first thing you need to know is that peace comes from personally knowing God. It's anchored in peace with God. Before you can have the peace of God, you've got to have peace with God. Did you know that? Peace isn't found in showing up at church, being nice, singing some cool songs, praying, just reading, have someone read the Bible to you. Peace is found first and foremost in knowing God personally. Like Romans 5.1 says this, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That word justified, legal term, it means to be declared right. And if you're going to have peace, the peace of God, you have to be justified. Declared right by God. And you're like, well, how could that possibly be? You see, Jesus came to this earth, God, the eternal son. He lived a perfect life. He fulfilled all the righteous demands of the law. He dies as a perfect sacrifice for sins. And he rose again. And by virtue of a resurrected life that he has paid for sins, he can give anyone who believes by faith his righteousness. And so he does. He literally transfers his righteousness onto our account. And when you believe in Christ, you really can have peace with God because you're now united with him legally and personally. And you're not going to find peace in your money or your station of life. You can only find it when you have forgiveness of sins and you're really trusting in Christ. And I'd like to ask, is that really true of you? Are you really trusting in Christ? If I said, hey, do you have peace? peace, what comes to your mind? Do you think like, I got peace because I got money? I got peace because I have a job? I got peace because I have a family? Those things ultimately cannot give you eternal peace. They're only found in God. Years ago, um, I was dating Karina, and uh, I asked her the question. I think I've told some of you the story of how I asked her to marry me, and it was astounding to me, but she actually said yes, you know, so you want to marry up, and I launched forward. It was awesome. That's my best advice when I speak at college campuses and stuff. Just tell them this. You just want to marry up. And so I wanted to be really special on our wedding day. And I wanted to give uh, Karina some gifts, like right before we actually had the wedding. Okay? And uh, one of those gifts is I, I bought her a little Bible. that had a, this pink. First time I ever bought a pink Bible. I had her name put on there. And I had it delivered to her right uh, before we got married. But another thing that I gave her was a particular picture that I had seen 
Uh, it was a picture of this lady standing on a hill. She holds these uh, cut flowers. The wind is kind of gently blowing, and she is looking down upon this town. And she's standing there, and here's a picture of it. And on the bottom it says, Peace comes from knowing God. And so I had that delivered to her, and she opened it up right before we got married. That particular picture has always hung wherever house we have always lived in. Because, friends, that's where peace is found. It's found in knowing God. It's not found if you have in what little we have or we have much. It's not found in our circumstances. It's found in knowing God. And that picture is just that ongoing reminder. You want peace? Peace comes from knowing God. See, if we're going to have the peace of God, we have to have peace with God. And peace comes from knowing God. You really want peace in your life? Peace comes first and foremost by personally knowing God. But let me tell you something else. Peace comes from actively trusting God. You see, we kind of think that peace is related to our circumstances. God says peace is actually found in actively trusting me. You remember Jesus on the night in which he was going to be betrayed. Jesus knew full well all the physical torture and the abuse and that he's going to be uh, actually arrested. He knew all of that was coming. Horrendous as that would be, he also knew that he would be the one who would bear our sins in his body. And yet, right at the very night in which this was all about ready to come unloosed and unraveled, Jesus spoke to his disciples and he said this, verse, chapter 14, verse 27. He says, Peace, I leave you. My peace, I give you. I'm going to give you my peace and I'm going to leave it with you. He says, Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not let it be fearful. I have a peace and it's the peace that's not given by the world. It is my peace and I will give it to you. It transcends what the world could give. And later on, in the same discussion, in John chapter 16, he says this. John 16, verse 33. These things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. In the world, when you live here, you're going to have problems. Trials, tribulations, things aren't going to work out right. There's going to be the unexplainable. It's going to happen at times. But take courage. I have overcome the world. Believe in me. And really, Jesus seemed to try to reinforce this lesson over and over. Peace isn't found in your circumstances. Peace is found in actively trusting in me. Remember on one particular occasion in Matthew 14, uh, after a full day of ministry, Jesus sent his disciples on to the Sea of Galilee to cross the sea when he himself went to a mountain to pray. And as it would be, there was this major storm that kicked up on the Sea of Galilee, and all the disciples in their boat were just being kicked around like a rag doll in the storm. They are just holding on for dear life. And you remember when they, they'd been at it all night, and suddenly during the fourth watch, so sometime between 3 and 6 a.m., Jesus did the unexplainable. He literally started crossing the lake by walking on the water. Like, that doesn't happen. People can't walk on water. And in a storm, no less. And of course, as he does, he's doing this, he comes and he intentionally comes where he is going to pass by them. 
And the disciples who are like in this boat thinking they're going to die and they're just getting tossed here and there, they see this image coming at them. And they, they, at first they thought it was like a ghost. They're trying to explain like, well, I don't know what, it, what some, something's walking on the water. And then Jesus, as he gets closer to him, he says, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. And they're like, what? As they're going back and forth. And then, and then it was Peter. Peter said to him, Lord, Lord, meaning master, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. If it's really you, you tell me to get out of this boat and come to you on the water. And you remember Jesus, he said, come. Oh, just one word. You come to me, come. And so in the midst of the storm, Peter gets out of the boat. He's been out of the boat before. He's never had this experience where he steps down and he literally, he's standing on water as if it's like solid ground. And he's, he's just fixed and focused on Jesus. Jesus said, come. And so he takes another step forward and another. And, and then, but the wind just kicked up again. And he looked at the wind and the waves. And he realized people don't walk on water. And all of a sudden he started sinking and he just he yelled out, Lord, save me. Remember? And Jesus just reaches down, picks him up, and literally puts him in the boat. You remember that? And the storm stopped immediately. And he said, Jesus said to them, You of little faith, why did you doubt me? You of little faith, why did you doubt me? Your circumstances said, you got chaos. But I am with you, and I am the sovereign God of the universe. I speak, and it is so. I will show you how in control I am of the elements of the universe. I will do something that it cannot be explained. I will walk on water in a storm, and I will cause you to do the same. Friends, that's where peace is found. Peace is found in knowing the sovereign Lord and trusting Him. It's recognizing His Lordship. And in the midst of all the storms of our life, directing our soul to trust in him. I read this story about a king who uh, had all these artists in his kingdom. And he said, I want you to paint me a picture of perfect peace. Okay? And I will select the winner. And so artists are really cool. They, they just can take a concept and they have all these just really awesome creative ways of, of portraying it. And so all these artists made their paintings and they presented it. The king kind of walked through all of them and he selected two to be the finalists. And from those two, he would select the one. The first painting the king selected was this. It was absolutely beautiful mountain scene. So you had these mountains. You had a mountain lake. It was like clear like glass. I don't know if you ever hiked up into the mountains and you go to some of these mountain lakes and it's just like, you have these beautiful trees. You probably have like a hawk or an eagle flying by. The lake is like glass. It is just so peaceful. There's blue sky with some clouds. And it was titled Perfect Peace. The other painting the king selected was, was also a mountain scene, but like a rugged mountain scene. And not a perfect day. It was a stormy day. And there's clouds and rain and lightning. And there is this rocky uh, mountain with this waterfall just raging. And it was just like just like a mess. It was like tumult. It was a huge storm. And yet you could see behind the waterfall, there was like this bush growing out of the rock. You ever see like these like little trees and bushes growing out of rocks and these crevices? Well, so it was. And inside this bush behind the waterfall in the midst of the storm is this bird that had created a nest and she's sitting on the nest 
and it's entitled Perfect Peace. Now, which one do you think the king picked for the prize? He picked the second. And he actually explained why, and this is what he said. Peace does not mean to be in a place where there is no noise, trouble, or hard work. Peace means to be in the midst of all those things and still be calm in your heart. That is the real meaning of peace. You see, we think that peace is found in our circumstances. And what God is doing is He's trying to break us from that to realize that peace is found in actively trusting the Lord. One of the most significant ways that you can develop trust is praying. Literally developing patterns where you were talking to God. Before you knew Christ, you were self-reliant and you just functioned on life. That is your autopilot setting. Okay, that's the default setting in your life. If you do not learn to actively develop times where you're talking to God, you just slip back into your default setting and you never do talk to Him, except on rare occasions. So what does it look like to develop a life of prayer? There's a couple of verses in Philippians, chapters, chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, that you, you probably ought to memorize. They, they speak so clearly to how you and I experience peace in the midst of difficulty, especially when we're facing anxiety. And it says this, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so he says, don't be anxious, but in everything by prayer. Talking to me, and you bring your request, but you do so with thanksgiving. And notice what he said. He says, I'm going to give you my peace. God gives the gift of peace to his people, but you seek him for it, and you ask him for it in prayer. And notice what he said. He said, I'm going to guard. I will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's to surround and to protect. Like in Philippi, where he's writing in the book of Philippians, they actually had soldiers that surrounded the city, and they protected the city. He says, that's how my peace works. I'm going to guard your hearts, your emotions, and your minds, how you think. I'll do it. That's my gift to you, but you seek me. Be anxious for nothing, but by everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, you bring your request to me. You see, God's goal is that his people live under his peace. And we're like, that is great. And that's exactly what I want. I want to live under God's peace. I am going to be this great beacon of virtue. And I am going to really stand strong in God. And I, I'm going to actively trust him. And you know what? We're all kind of thinking that way. Because we all got issues. And we really like to have some peace in our life. And how long is that going to last? Well, like 15 minutes, right? You know, and you get in your car and you're like, oh, you got to be kidding. you got all these problems at your house and something else is broken. And you got, oh, you just reminded your heart just sinks when you think of the relationship issue you've got. And then, of course, you got these issues at work. And, and it's like you turn on the TV and there's just more bad news and it's gone, right? And like, how, what happens? We, we just slip, quickly slip back into this worry mode, okay? I know this from firsthand experience. I know what I'm talking about and so do you, right? How, what do we do? We just read about this prayer. It's kind of like um, grilling. Now, I know that like some of you, like last night, you were the grill master, right? All right? You were out there, 
And it, and it was all great, right? And you were cooking. I, I did it. In fact, it was even edible, okay? My kids were happy. I was happy. Um, you know how it is when you're, like, grilling out? You want to make sure that the food is cooked correctly, right? I have learned this the hard way, like, especially with chicken. If it's not cooked all the way through, guess what you do? You food poison some of your family members. And I, I did that once at the father-in-law's house of all places. Like, I thought it was, you know, I mean, his grill was a little different than mine. And it looked done. It was really done on the outside. It just wasn't so done on the inside. And discovered that when my father-in-law got sick. But let's keep moving here, okay? I'm trying to spare you difficulty. And guess what? There's this great invention to prevent that from happening. It's called a thermometer, right? And you can get one. Probably cost you a couple dollars. I should have bought one. And you, you put it in there, and it'll tell you the temperature of the meat. And if you don't know what temperature it should be, that's where you just Google it, and it'll tell you. And guess what? You won't be making your whole family sick, and you will know when the meat is done. I'm not a big baker. don't know a lot about it. do like to eat. But I, uh, the baking thing, the one thing I know about the baking, like when you're making a cake, this is how you know if it's done. You take a toothpick, and you stick it in there, and if it comes out, back up and there's nothing on it, it's done. If it's got, like, the gooey stuff on it, guess what? Not done. You need to keep baking it. And if you cannot put the toothpick in it, you have overcooked the cake, okay? I am really helpful today, right? I'm explaining this all to you. And so that's how it works. Well, friends, let me tell you, that's how it works in our life. If all of a sudden you prayed about it, but, like, 15 minutes later, you're like, oh, you're panicky, and you're making everybody feel nervous and uncomfortable, and your life is a wreck, and you're starting to sweat, and you're going through your deodorant, you know what that means? More time needed coming to the source of life, coming to Christ. It's not done. You put the toothpick in, you put the meat thermometer in, it's, you, you need more time communing with God. And it needs to be ongoing, and it needs to be regular. There's a couple in our church, they're, uh, they're going through some real difficulties. And, and there's not a lot of good answers. And they told me, you know, what we started to do is we are, we are writing down our blessings as we go through this. Like, okay. And we've started with one. Okay, they found one. Well, they they periodically they update me. And I, I won't tell you, but the rather a staggering number of blessings they found as they continue to go through this difficulty. These fingerprints of God where God is at work. Friends, that's where this Thanksgiving prayer, bringing your request with Thanksgiving, you keep doing it. And you keep get to see life from God's perspective and you experience His peace. You know, there's something we should probably learn from our kids. You know, like when your kids are small and they're really stressed out about something, uh, there's really only one solution to their problems. You know what that is, don't you? It is like finding their mama, right? And they, they're like, if they got problems and they're really stressed out, they're scared, they go run into mom. If they can't find mom, Dad might do, right? Not as good as mom, but dad might do, you know. And so they could run into their parents, and all they have to do is be by their parents, dad and mom holding them, holding their little hand, tell them to be all right. Guess what? They all calm down. This especially happens like at night, okay? They're really upset about something, and they're all stressed out. And what happens, they only have two options. Either you sleep with me or I sleep with you, but I need to be with you. That's kind of how they function. They never come and say, you know, you know, mom, dad, I'm having some unrealistic views about reality. I'm feeling these, have these feelings of anxiety. I have irrational issues that are vexing me. Would you help me work through them? No, they don't do that. But you know what they do? They just come and they're just by you. And all it takes 
All you have to do is kind of like be present and say, hey, it's going to be okay. And in two or three minutes, guess what? They're doing just fine. Why? They're with their parent. Friends, that's what we need to do. We need to develop patterns of running to the Father. And that's what prayer is. It's just coming to the Lord and saying, God, I can't handle this. Can you? Can, can you take this? I, I need your help. I, I don't see how I'm going to get through. I don't, I, I don't understand this. This is so painful. There's no explanation. I need you. Let me give you a couple other verses. First Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, it says, Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. And then in verse 7, casting all your anxiety upon him because why? He cares for you. Just like we got done singing. He loves us. There is nothing that will ever be able to separate us from the love that is found in Christ. We can never be separated from God's love. He is always with us. And that means at times there are events or there are situations that are going to happen that defy logic and do not have an explanation. None will be given. Like Deuteronomy 29, 29, God says, you know what? The secret things belong to the Lord. They're just some things that are not going to be disclosed. Or like in Isaiah 55, verse 8, where God says, you know, my ways, they're not your ways. And your thoughts, they're not my thoughts. You see, God sees the entire picture, and he wants us to trust him. But it's got to be active. You see, the greatest gift in life is to know Jesus personally, like friend to friend, and to be able to come to him and to trust him. So friends, when anxiety knocks, let's answer the door with prayer. Pressure is inevitable. Prayer is a choice. It's my choice, it's your choice, but pressure is inevitable. So when it knocks, let's continue to develop patterns of praying. Imagine if you were asked to lead a blind man through a busy city. Uh, you would tell this man, listen, just trust me, follow me, and we're going to get through this. We're going to weave through all the traffic and all the commotion. We're going to get past the hot dog stands. Will you trust me? I will get you through, right? Now, if the blind man doesn't trust you, then what's going to happen? I'm not going. I've heard about you. You don't know where you're going. You're directionally challenged. I'm not going to go. But on the other hand, if he does trust you, why, he's going to be able to smoothly make it through. Even though there'll be all sorts of challenges and things, that will potentially be even very threatening. Friends, that's what God is wanting us to do. To trust him. We're like the blind man. We don't see so clearly. There's a lot of stuff that's just like, this doesn't make sense. I don't get it. I, I, I don't understand what's just happening. But we are trusting the one who knows the beginning from the end. He knows all things, and he's able to do all things. And so bottom line, we trust him. We're trusting him who put the stars and the planets in motion. We're trusting him who says, I love you unconditionally, and I'm never going to leave you. And I'll tell you this about peace. Peace must be pursued. You might want to write that down because we kind of got the idea that Peace is just something that's going to come upon us. It's like we think that passivity, doing nothing, will somehow lead to peace. Actually, when you read the scriptures, peace is always something that is pursued. 
Let me just give you a few verses. Like 2 Corinthians 13, 11. It says, finally, brethren, rejoice, be made complete, be comforted, be like-minded. Okay, you've seen these commands. Live in peace. And then he says, and the God of love and peace will be with you. You want another couple verses? 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. Notice how it stresses pursuing peace. He says this, For the one who desires life, to love and see good days, must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. And listen to this. He must seek peace and pursue it. You and I, we have to go after it. We pursue it in prayer. Don't just like, I'm just going to like let go and let God and somehow the peace is going to happen sometime. No, we seek peace by believing his word and seeking him in prayer. So that's what we do. We're trusting that God is in control even when circumstances seem out of control. We're trusting that God's not going to desert us even when we feel alone. We're going to trust his wisdom even when it, when I feel foolish. And we're going to trust that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me even when we feel overwhelmed. See, it's interesting in God that we find the peace of God. So how do you and I are going to really know God's peace? Well, we're going to know it by personally knowing God, actively trusting God. And let me give you a final. By regularly thanking God. One of the guardians and indicators of peace is thankfulness. Just being thankful. I have found this to be true. The more I am thankful, the more peace I have. Little thanks, little peace. It just comes by recognizing and thanking the Creator, our Father, who loves us unconditionally. And so when you come to Romans 15, verse 33, friends, this is the prayer of every spiritual leader. This is what spiritual leaders want for their people, whether you're a parent or a pastor. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Whether you go through difficulties or discouragements, divisions, or you even face death itself, may the God of peace be with you, that you know his peace. i got a buddy who lives a long ways away, so I don't get to see him very often. But when I talk to him on the phone or I do get a chance to see him, he just asks me this one question. How is your shalom factor? You don't have to explain it. When God talks about peace, it's rooted in this idea of shalom. It's the absence of turmoil because it's the presence of God that affects our relationships, our circumstances, everything about us, because we have peace with God. You see, the peace of God is found when we are actively depending upon him. I think many of you know Dr. Dwight Pentecost. Uh, He has gone on to be with the Lord. I got to know him primarily when he was in his 90s. Uh, he was a highly esteemed professor at Dallas Theological Seminary. Uh, you don't know how special it was that at three different times we had him speak here. And I'd tell some of my pastor friends, like, yeah, we had Dwight Pentecost at our church. Like, what? Because he didn't just speak very often when he got up there in age. But as God would have it, we had the privilege of having him here. I got to know him in his older years, and on several occasions I got to spend some time with him in Colorado at his cabin. And I'm like, I just couldn't wait because I'd get down there, and I'd be in his cabin, or he'd be out on his porch. And I got a lot of questions, right? Because there's a lot of things I don't know. And here's a guy who just really knows God well. And he really knows his word. And so we'd sit there and we'd talk. And this guy, he'd be finishing one conference and getting ready for another. 
And I remember one time back in 2006 saying, hey, you know, how can you be a pastor, a professor, and a person and go through life and all the challenges that he had? And he started telling me about some of the challenges that he'd had in his life and not have all this heartache and headaches and hurt that just kind of demoralize you. How do you handle it? And this is what he told me. He told me that really things just didn't overwhelm him because he believed so much in God's sovereignty. God has a plan and a purpose, and he's working all things according to his will. And friends, that is so true. God is working things out, and there is no problem he can't resolve. You see, the peace of God is found when we're actively depending upon him. That's where it's found. And so when you walk out of here today, now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Would you have a vision for what that looks like in your life as you go through your days? Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for just an amazing prayer. Short, brief, powerful, exactly what we need. And Father, if there is someone who has come here today who's never trusted in Jesus, would they just turn from self and sin and even see that deep longing for peace being answered and satisfied in Jesus? And just pray with me and say, God, I turn from who I am and my sin. I really want to know you. I sense I am created for you to know you, to know your peace. So I ask for your forgiveness and I ask that you be the Lord of my life and for all of us. Lord, Would your peace be the prevailing factor in our life that we might know the goodness of the Lord even when we face the great difficulties of life because you're the God of peace. And so we pray in Jesus' name, amen.